Hello, everyone, and inside today's Locked On Canadians, we're going to talk about our draft feelings a week later, if we feel better, if we feel worse, or somewhere in between. And it is Friday, and that means it is the Friday mailbag where we answer all of your listener questions inside today's show. You are Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 882 of Locked on Canadians. Thank you for making us your first listen of the day every single day of the week, wherever you get your daily podcast, because we are part of the Locked on Podcast Network, where you get your team every single day of the week. And we are, of course, your hosts. I am Scott Mallon. I'm joined, as always, by the active stick, Laura Saba. And I have an accidental co-host today who is very upset that I will not give her her squeaky toy in the middle of recording, and that is the dog Maple, uh, who is off to my couch side here. Laura, it is disgustingly hot outside. <laughs> like, and that means it topped 85, and I I don't do heat. I do not do heat at all. So I have been suffering at work today. Neither does the Montreal Power Grid, apparently. Uh, so for those of you in the city, uh, I'm guessing a good chunk of you did lose power for the middle of the day. It was actually quite chaotic. Because the metro went down for a while, the air traffic control wasn't working, so a bunch of flights got postponed and canceled. All of this because of the heat. We are not accustomed to this kind of heat, and it's going to persist until Thursday, uh, Sunday. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to have a very chill day today, in which we talk about fun Friday mailbag topics. A bunch of you asked a lot of good questions. Um, and also, we're going to check in with our feelings and see how we feel about the draft a week on. Yeah, and speaking of heat and it being uncomfortable, the 2023 Montreal Canadiens draft is now just a little over a week old at this point. Uh, obviously, we had development camp and everything this past weekend. And my question, I guess, Laura, is let's start right in the first round. Do you feel better about David Reinbacher a week later or not? I do. I really, really do. But as, as, a, as a whole, I still think that the decisions made in this draft weren't necessarily the best ones in terms of the team. But I realized with development camp, there's a lot of good prospects on this roster. There's a lot of promising prospects on this roster. And there's no reason why David Reinbacher can't be a blue chip defenseman. He's got to reach that ceiling. That's for sure. Uh, But the Canadians seem kind of poised and determined to make that happen, to help him make that happen. So I feel better. I just hope that in coming years, they draft best player available and don't draft according to, you know, lack of depth in a position or, you know, something as niche and specific as right winger or, you know, right-handed defenseman or whatever, because when you're drafting today, you're not expecting most of those players to make the team until two, three, four, five years from now, from, from the day that you draft. So I hope that this was a one-off and that, you know, the the Canadians put everything they can into developing who they got just so that they can be the best that they can be. That's all we can hope for. Yeah, and I guess that's kind of my thought here is that I look at David Reinbacher and I go, I'm, I'm actually very happy with looking at who he is as a player. I got a chance to actually watch the development camp scrimmage and the Lane Hudson, David Reinbacher duo 
was not undersold at all. And I think that's great. And I still like Jacob Fowler. We do. We are nailing down a date for our goalie expert to come in and talk to us about uh, Jacob Fowler and also Quentin Miller from the QMJHL to give us a background on that and some of the other Habs goalies in the system here because we thought that it was very important that we learn that. It's I just can't help being disappointed with the overall draft itself in that I like the Luke Middlestat pick. I do. I understand the idea behind Florian Jekai here. It's just overall, I like the Reinbacher pick. I like the Fowler pick. I, I do like Middlestat. Kuniashkov uh, seems like an intriguing player here. I just am not 100% on the draft as a whole. And I don't think that's going to change because I look at some of the names that were available. And if they, you know, end up being those players, like being a potential, hitting their potential there, I can't help but feel like the Canadians might have missed the boat on some of this. And yes, they have a ton of prospect depth here and a lot of good prospect depth here. Byron Bader did his yearly prospect pool rankings. The Canadians are right there. They have a very good prospect pool, and that's a good thing for a team that is trying to come out of this rebuild here. I just think they miss they miss their step here. They still manage to recover. You know when you're walking upstairs and you sometimes miss that and you do the stumble and you try and play it off? I think they've recovered decently well from that. They've made some good moves in free agency and in terms of signing their RFAs and everything else. It just feels like they missed a step here and stumbled a little bit, and maybe it doesn't look as shiny as it did before. I'm not off the Hughes-Gorton you know, rebuild train here by any means. I just think that this draft, as of right now, until we see what some of these players do in college, what does you know, Sam Harris do in college? What is Luke Middlesat going to take another step this year? What can Jacob Fowler do at Boston College? Until we see what these players do, I can't help but feel we're going to be sitting here kind of going, it's a missed opportunity. Love Reinbacher, love Fowler, like Middlestat. It's just the rest of it feels a little bit like, a again, a missed opportunity, I think is the best way to describe that. Yeah, I think I think that's the thing is that, and again, people keep saying, you know, time will tell. Five years from now, we might be having a completely different conversation. I mean, we're having completely different conversations about Philip Zadina at this point, if you listen to our last episode. So I think it is worth a bit of patience. I just, I think as a whole, as a philosophy, I think you should just always draft the best player that's available. That's yeah, just, and That's the only way I feel. And that is exactly it, is that, okay, you picked Reinbacher, who was a need, Maybe not the best player available. Probably Mitchkov was. Probably not Ryan Leonard. Uh, Zach Benson, who has been tearing up Sabres camp, which is just horrifying to think about him being in that division. I think, and with the new hook trade, it changed things. And yeah, maybe, oh, they got Alex Newhook. That's better than anyone they could have picked at 31 and 37. Yeah, maybe. I'd also still like the opportunity to maybe try and pick someone in those positions there to see if they can't add to this prospect pool here. There were good players available. And I'm not going to jump down the scouting staff's throat because I just, you know, follow guides online. I did not scout all these players. I did not check in at these leagues. I I really just, I maybe it's because I expected more because of how good their first draft was. Kent Hughes' 2022 draft was phenomenal. You can argue about Slavkovsky and everything in there, which, okay, fair. Entirely fair. 
But the rest of that draft, Mashar is a good player. Owen Beck's a good player. Lane Hudson might be one of the best players in that draft class. Vincenzo Roar, Cedric Indone, et cetera. There are good players in that draft class. And I think it set the table and set expectations very high. And I'm not saying now, hey, we need to lower our expectations for Kent Hughes. That The furthest thing from that, you should, we should never lower standards depending on who the GM is. It might have just set a slightly unreasonable expectation that banger, 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 banger pick. I would love it if the Canadians went in there every time and like Sheamus and WWE just banger after banger after banger. That's not realistically possible. But in this one felt like banger and then not much kind of going out with a whimper a little bit there. Uh, We do want to hear from you. How are you feeling a week after? How are you feeling in free agency? We know Philip Zadina is going on, un- went on unconditional waivers today. Is he going to Montreal? Because apparently Chris Johnson, everyone's, he has offers. We're going to find out if the Habs are one of them in this upcoming week. Tweet us at LO underscore Canadians on what is left of Twitter.com with your thoughts on how you feel about the draft a week later. It is Friday. Well, Thursday, Friday episode. And that means it is time for the Friday mailbag. And we're going to get into all of your listener questions and everything coming up next. But first, today's show is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel Sportsbook. And if you want to take a swing at betting on Major League Baseball for the first time, get on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. And you can spend those bonus bets on the money line, the over-under. Who do you think is going to hit the first home run in any game on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use? And the best of all, if you hit, no pun intended, you can get paid out instantly and enjoy your winnings. There's no better place to bet on the MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel the official sportsbook partner of Major League Baseball, and us here at Locked On. And as always, please, please, please bet responsibly whenever betting on sports. We are back here at Locked On Canadians. It is Thursday night when we are recording this, which means it is time for the Friday Mailbag episode. It's one of our favorite things we've done since the show started almost four years, four years ago, five years ago, four years ago. It's been a while. I COVID think we time- just finished our fourth season, if I'm not mistaken. It's hard to know. COVID wiped out like three and a half years of my memory, basically, at this point, because everything kind of ran together. But if you ever want to tweet us your mailbag questions, you can tweet us at LO underscore Canadians on Twitter, at Scott Medla, at The Active Stick. And, of course, you can email them to us at LockedOnCanadians at gmail.com. We love all your questions. Oh, and YouTube comments. As long as you are not rude or being mean to anybody, we will happily take your YouTube comments and answer them on this show if you hear squeaking now the dog finally figured out where her squeaky toy is so i apologize for that laura what do we have in the mailbag today uh kyle r in the emails um i really appreciate you listening kyle question could or should we offer sheet vince dunn or if he doesn't reach a deal with seattle what would be a good offer for him so vince dunn sounds like a country singer name I mean, yes, absolutely. Also, hi, Maple. I don't think that they don't need more defensemen at this point. And Vince Dunn would be great. Absolutely great. I also do not think that the Canadians, one, will dedicate the cap space to that without moving out a veteran. 
AK David Savard. And they don't want to take that space away from the kids. They're not going to trade Mike Matheson right now. And they're not going to trade some of these young guys unless they get an offer that you can't miss on. If this were last year, maybe I'd say, yeah, they can absolutely. I am being pulled off screen by my dog. <laughs> uh, I'd say absolutely go for it. But this year it's not that maybe at the deadline, if Vince Dunn wants out for whatever reason, and you've moved Savard and you've moved other pieces, I'd say go for it. But for right now, I just don't think it makes logical sense. They need to add firepower up front, I think, more than anything else, and let the young guys figure out their game on the back end. I want to say Maple is like a best supporting actress of this show. Um, Don't give her any more credit. Like... If I, you are not listening to this, if you're not watching this on YouTube, please go on YouTube and go all the way to like the around the 13th minute and watch what just happened. Um, please do this. <laughs> for Matt, us. if you're watching this, go ahead and just clip that and send it to me in the morning. I'm sure you're <laughs> going to find it hilarious. So I'm going to be right. a great parent someday, apparently. So uh, Let's get back to the mailbag. Yes. Uh, I'm really enjoying this, by the way. Uh, it is our good friend, Richard, the architect. Salute, my hot take of the day. I wish. I wonder if there's anything in the possibility of the Habs taking a run at Carter Hart that would send Caden Primo amongst a slightly wider package in the other direction. He would get to spend time at a franchise well-known to the family and might help him take that next step up. In return, we get a goalkeeper who also could get back to her loftier heights with a change of scenery. I also find that Hart fits the desired age group that Hughes and Gorton are trying to build around. Additional side note on Byfield, because we talked about Byfield earlier. I think it was Richard that brought up the possibility of the Canadians trying to trade for him. I wouldn't call him a rec project like Doc, but more of a trade younger type deal for us. It seems apparent to me that LA is trying to build a big, tough team to take it a big run at the cup this year. I think the delusions of grandeur could genuinely tempt them to make some questionable trades. So with those two things... He also has a Laval question. So let's address the Carter Hart and then the Quinton Byfield thing real quick. So the Carter Hart thing is interesting because Caden Primo is caught between NHL and NHL because he needs waivers this year. I don't know if he's going to clear. I don't know if he, if he would get claimed. I don't just because teams are weird. No one thought Samuel Montembeau or Antiniemi would get claimed on waivers and the Canadians were like, psych, we're taking both players. So... I'm just wondering, though, that if they get Carter Hart, you still have three NHL goalies, and you're not going to get Carter Hart through waivers. I don't think you'd get Montembeau through waivers, and I don't think you'd get Jake Allen. I don't think you'd get any of them through waivers. I don't think you would get Jake Allen to accept going on waivers either at that point. It kind of doesn't – the the whole trade thing comes down to Caden Primo goes in a part of a package for somebody, whether that's for Hart or not. But you've got to move one of Allen or Montembeau. And I don't think they're keen on moving Samuel Montembeau at this point. And I think Jake Allen is the one they would move. So you have to find him a home first. And until that point, it doesn't make sense to try and add a Carter Hart or that same tier goalie right now because you just have the same problem again. You can't have three NHL goalies. There's not a rotation system that works and it takes up a roster spot that you're going to need and you can't slide one of them through waivers. So I, I looking back at it when the off season started, I thought for sure, maybe Carter Hart's coming here. I don't see it right now. I think Danny Briere is going to see what he's got in Hart this year. If Hart shows those flashes of who he can be, 
I think he'll be in Philadelphia for a long time. But if he hits those bumps in the road, forget about it. I think that at the trade deadline, Carter Hart will go to a contender somewhere and Danny Briere will just collect those draft picks like he's been doing already. I think so. Um, so are we, are we going to go to the Laval question? Yeah, let's take the Rocket question here. Turning our attention to Laval, how do you think the top six will shape up this year? And on a scale of 1 to 10, how awesome does a first power play unit of Mayu, Roy, Heinemann, Farrell, and Meshar sound? I know it'll probably never happen, but a, a guy can dream. Listen, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. All of those people, other than Farrell, are likely to be at the AHL level, like, to start at the very least. I think your top six in Laval is going to look like Leah Sanderson is your top line center. Uh, and I think you have Sean Farrell and either uh, if, y- if uh, Yelonen clears waivers, he is there. Uh, maybe a guy, maybe it'll be Joshua. Maybe it'll be Philip Mashar on that top line. And then I think in that second line role, you're going to have your one of why you're going to have your kidney. You're going to have other players. They're, they're not done adding people yet. And I think that's the biggest thing that ne- we need to see how this roster is going to shake out. But I think you're going to see uh, someone like Heineman and Juan that second line on a more offensively inclined group. And maybe that's kidney at center. Maybe it's someone else. They add down the line here. I I've know they've added some names on defense. They're going to have a really nice looking offensive defense here too. The top six will change so much. And I want people to understand that it will change from game to game. And it'll change matchup to matchup. Jean-Francois, who loves to match up his teams here, there's a lot of reason to be excited. And you may see Farrell, Wah, Mayu, uh, Mishar, and everyone on that first power play unit. But also, you're probably going to see William Trudeau. You're probably going to see Gabriel Bork. You're going to see some of those veteran guys who know how this works. It's not because the prospects can't handle it, but it's just the way that Jean-Francois Houle kind of handles things. Uh, do we have a short question or are we going to have to go into our final segment here? Uh, we should go into our final segment and we're going to do some YouTube questions, but we are going to run out. So we're going to do a lot of other questions for our Monday episode. Yes. So we have so many things to get to. Remember, you can tweet us at LO underscore Canadians, Canadians at gmail.com. In the comments, you can tweet us directly at Scott Matla at the active stick on Twitter. We're going to get into all of your final questions coming up in our final segment. We are back here at Lockdown Canadians. It is Thursday night when we're recording this. That means it is time for the Friday mailbag. Or not time. We have been going through this. We have so much coming up next week. We are going to be talking to our goalie prospect expert. So we're going to find out what is the deal with Jacob Fowler. Who is Quinton Miller? Get some more info on Jakob Dobish and maybe Samuel Montebo and beyond for the Montreal Canadiens prospects because neither Laura or I were a goalie in a past life or a goalie expert in this life. I was just for soccer. <laughs> I'm not going to ask Laura to analyze Strauss man's goaltending style at the AHL though. I don't think that that is the same no, level of thing. No. So Laura, <laughs> what do we have in the final batch of mailbag questions for today's show? We will get to the ones that we missed over the course of next week as well. We promise. We yeah. Always and do. If you, yes, we do. And if you ask your questions on Twitter, so we're going to YouTube. So if you ask your questions on Twitter, we're not ignoring them. If you DM us on Twitter, They'll just—they're gonna go in the Monday mailbag episode. We are ignoring um, Will, but we that's are ignoring just... Will. But uh, <laughs> all, like all the rest of you, we are not. 
All right, David G on YouTube asks, I feel like with the draft, there wasn't enough time to go over the new hook trade in more depth. So let's do that. Realistically, what are you expecting from New Hook this year in terms of production? What do you think his ceiling is, his skill ceiling is? And finally, what do you think he'd need to accomplish in a Habs uniform in order to justify what we gave up in our trade for him? And as a bonus, what does his contract look like? So I know that, um, you know, Kent Hughes is probably really hard at work with the contract, everything. Um, we, as of the time that we're recording this, which is Thursday evening, so obviously Friday morning at eight, Kent Hughes will announce that he's re-signed Alex Newhook. Um, let's talk about it. Like, honestly, like what are our expectations? It did feel like an overpay at the time and people are like, well, he's not that much better than, you know, like this, some random replacement player. I don't necessarily think that that's really the case. The overpay, it did feel like an overpay. And I did, I, I did go on the record as that, but I don't think that he's a replacement level player. I look at his time with Colorado, the year they won the cup, 33 points in 71 games. He had 11 points in 10 games with the Colorado Eagles in the AHL. And then last year, 30 points in 82 games, 14 points in six or 14 goals, 16 assists. Kind of similar to what doc did that I'm looking at this and I'm not expecting him to suddenly just launch off the charts, but I believe it was our friend Ian Bover who pointed out. He played a lot with Andrew Cogliano and Logan O'Connor, not offensive dynamos. And does putting him with someone like Doc, because I, I have elite prospects pulled up in front of me, footwork, agility, heel-to-heel skating are high-end. He can skate circles around the opposition if he wants to. High-octane motor, he's magnetized with the puck in the offensive zone. Offensively driven, handles the puck with finesse and excels when leading the rush. Terrific balance and agility, powerful strength. He seems like a speed guy. And I think that maybe he's that winger on that top line with Caulfield and Suzuki. Maybe he's one of Doc's wingers and Rafael Harvey-Pinard is opposite him. Maybe he's a center for Uri Slavkovsky and Brendan Gallagher, two guys that are going to operate around the goal crease and give him space to spread the defense out a little bit here. I think you're aiming for 15 goals, 25 assists this upcoming season. I think that's the low threshold that you're aiming for here. And I would say the same thing for someone like Uri Slavkovsky as well, potentially. You want to see Doc, Suzuki, and Caulfield above that, given that they are the pillars of this team. But I think given the price you paid, you want to see him hit at least close in on 20 goals, and you want to see him top 20 assists. Canadians are probably not going to score a ton again, just because they are still rebuilding. They're not great, and we don't know what the defense is going to look like yet, or if the power play is going to function, or anything like that. But I think if you can aim for 40 points as your low threshold, you're probably going to do all right here based on everything. Um, sorry, I got distracted by Maple. Uh, and then there was a very loud noise in my house. So I had to just make sure everyone was okay. Uh, real quick. Uh, okay. So we've got another mailback question. In- and this comes from uh, Paul G. For the mailbag, interested on your opinion on these lines. Interested in your opinion on these lines. Caulfield, Suzuki, Gallagher, then Doc, Newhook, Raphael, Harvey, Pinard, then Slavkovsky, Josh Anderson, and Sean Monahan, and finally Evans, Dvorak, and Armia. And if Armia or Dvorak are gone, then Pizzetta replaces whoever it is. Hoffman it's is a your very, odd man out. It's a very expensive fourth line with Dvorak and Armia on there. I think Monahan is going to be that floating guy there who I had forgotten was on this team, admittedly, because I thought he might actually be very good to help stabilize Alex Newhook there with like a Uri Slavkovsky as well. 
the the one thing I'm stuck on is top line Brendan Gallagher. If he's healthy and playing the best that he can, absolutely all for it. 110%. Because we know when Gallagher is healthy, he's a chance generation machine. He creates havoc. He creates opportunities for his line mates. If he can't be healthy, you give that spot to Slavkovsky. You put Sean Monahan there for a little bit. Also, if he can be healthy. And also, Harvey Bernard kind of earned that spot. Josh Anderson had earned that spot. There's legitimate competition for these roles, and I think that's important. So, excuse me. I'm not opposed to the lines. It's just I need to see health out of some of the players in these spots here. And, yeah, it's been a long offseason. Hopefully they've actually healed. But without that, I got to wait and see, are they healthy or not? And then I'm not opposed to it. If Bretton and Gallagher, and I know we say this every year, is back to what he can be, great top line. You got a guy who's going to clean up things in front of that. You're going to watch both Caulfield and Suzuki's assists just go through the absolute roof as Brendan Gallagher just cleans up trash in front of the net. Cleans up trash in front of the net. I like it. The Brendan Uh, Gallagher story. The Brendan Gallagher story. So we've got actually a couple of, um, of questions that I wanted to bring up. Uh, and this, this is from like our Twitter DMs. Uh, one is, mailback question from Danielle H. Do you think that the Habs in their current construction have any chance of making the playoffs next year? I mean, anything can happen, but no. <laughs> we love this team. And we know that y'all love playoff content and we love the stress that the playoffs bring unless Samuel Montembo adds to his fairly solid season last year. And the team just turns it around defensively is the biggest thing. Uh, no, I think the Atlantic division is so, so good as a group too, that they're competing in arguably probably one of the hardest divisions in hockey. I mean, there's only four of them, but I think it might be the most competitive this upcoming season. All right, and so we've got another one in the Twitter DMs. Friday mailback question. Hi, guys. Love watching your show in the mornings from Geneva. Hi. <laughs> um, we'll definitely go watch Clotten. Is it Clotten or Cloten? Play here next year. All things being equal, how do you think the Stanley Cup finals between Montreal and Tampa would have fared, would have ended, if Montreal had never traded Sergachev? This feels like a dagger in the heart kind of question. But hi, <laughs> I love I, people receiving messages. So here's my thing. If they still have Mikhail Sergachev, did they go out and get Ben Sherratt? Did they go out and get Joel Edmondson to add to this team here? Do they draft Alexander Romanov in there? There's a lot of other questions about it. So I think the Canadians make it more competitive. I just think Tampa's overall coaching and depth was just so much better that the Habs were never the favorites in that series, even with Carey Price at his best. I don't think the defense was the issue there. I think it's that Tampa was just a ruthlessly deep team. And the Canadians were fun, but they did not. They, you can't match that depth. When they can just slide a guy who like Ross Colton, who's the cup-winning goal there, down to their third line, and they can have guys like Alex Kalorn on their third line, Blake Coleman, et cetera, Yanni Gord, et cetera, you can't. You just can't match that if you're the Canadians. That's not defensive depth. That's forward depth in the Habs. They sadly just didn't have that. Their fourth line and everything was fun. Their top six was great, but there there comes a point that it that it stops. 
I think that's it for this week because we are going to have a lot of questions for the Monday mailbag and also hopefully potentially some signings from Kenny Hughes. Uh, I, th I think that's it because we, we've got some tw uh, questions still in the DMs and on the tw in the Twitter replies that we should address next week because we're just going to we're going to run out of time before we can adequately answer something. Yes. And as always, you can follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Canadians, uh, wherever you get your daily podcast, Google, Apple, Spotify on YouTube. So you can watch me struggle with my dog's needy, needy habits here. Yes. You miss main character. Follow Laura at the active stick. Follow myself at Scott Madlow. We have so much fun stuff coming up next week. We are not going down to part-time season yet. That is in a couple of weeks. Still, we will let you know when that happens. Thank you so much for listening or watching, and we will see you all next time.